Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Emma Bellardi, and I'm a content marketer here at PMA. Today's podcast is sponsored by Compite. Compite is a leading competitive intelligence automation platform designed to simplify the process of competitive tracking across the broadest spectrum of digital channels, helping customers gain and deliver deep strategic insights and rise above the noise in crowded markets. With real-time insights, Compite provides customers tools to better drive messaging, positioning, product development, and revenue capture. Head to compite.com for more info and a complimentary free trial. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. And in this episode, we're joined by Vincent Zhu, and we'll be discussing digital accessibility in APAC's emerging markets. Vincent's a product marketing manager at Google, where he drives regional strategy, formation and executional planning for APAC Android. And he's also an ambassador here at PMA. Welcome to the show, Vincent. Yeah, thank you so much, Emma. No problem. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at Google? Yeah, definitely. Um, So like Emma mentioned, uh, my name is Vincent. I am a regional product marketing manager at Google based out of Singapore. Uh, The product that I focus on is Android. So on a day-to-day that involves deep diving into the latest consumer trends and insights, uh, working closely with local marketers and other cross-functional stakeholders um, to strategize and execute on campaigns that support Android market share and mindshare within our target users. Um, and as you can imagine, APAC is a, is a very vibrant and diverse place. So you end up having a lot of differences, a lot of nuances, not only across different countries, but also a lot of differences even within a single country. Um, the landscape that you start out in, uh, in the technical, you know, digital field at the beginning of the year might be completely different by the end of the year. So that sort of, um, you know, ever-changing state is something that I think really drives me and something that um, I, I find really exciting about my work. Excellent. So can you talk us through some of the major tech trends in APAC, um, any specifically in the context of emerging markets? Yeah, um, I think APAC has, has, you know, a lot of tech trends uh, this year and in the past couple of years. Um, so let me hit on one specifically um, that's more pertinent to the developed markets. And then I could talk more about the trends in the emerging markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the developed markets, so markets in Asia like Japan, Korea and Taiwan, uh, something that's become sort of a phenomenon over the past, you know, two to three years is this concept of, of 5G. Right. And 5G, in a nutshell, is the fifth generation you know, technological standard for telecom infrastructure. And it offers 10x improvements over 4G in areas like you know, peak speed or latency or connectivity. Um, and so put this uh, more tangibly, imagine sort of downloading a three hour movie, uh, which will take approximately 26 hours on 3G, um, about six minutes on 4G and actually less than four seconds on 5G. Mm-hmm. So just the impact that having this sort of um, technological improvement can have is, is pretty widespread in society. And it really allows capabilities that are, that are sort of futuristic in nature to become a reality, uh, reality for the first time. So things like smart homes and self-driving cars, um, you know, remote 3D surgery, our drone services. Um, and then in the context of marketing specifically, it really enables widespread AR and VR based immersive marketing to take place. And in my mind, I think that's going to be something that really impacts and really changes the way that uh, businesses interact with consumers and how consumers experience products uh, for the first time. 
Um, so that's sort of the, the trend in developed markets. And then on the emerging market side, I think something that is, um, is very important to me personally is um, the importance of um, and the rise in the importance of digital accessibility. Um, and what I mean by that is just connectivity, right? People who are able to go online, experience a lot of these tech trends that, that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the importance of digital accessibility has become ever more important. Uh, number one, because of just the sheer volume of innovations taking place, right? Across all pillars of society from medical technology to ed- uh, educational technology to the e-commerce boom. Uh, so to give some tangible examples here on the med tech side, uh, you have things like the rise in online pharmacy market, right? Which is um, in, in, a, in a market like India is poised to grow something like sevenfold from being a $500 million market in 2018 to over $3.5 billion by 2022. Uh, or potentially in, in uh, educational technology, um, which is really sort of pushing out this concept of video-based tuition. Um, it's, you know, some of the largest startups and fastest growing startups in the country is, uh, are all ad tech based. Um, and this has a huge ramifications in terms of democratizing education in the country and in the region. Um, and then the other reason uh, sort of why digital accessibility has become increasingly important is because of um, in the during and in post COVID era, essentially, um, where, you know, um, schools are, are forced to move learning online or potentially having a lot of doctor teleconsulting services, which is not only helpful in terms of a personal hygiene, personal safety, but also can have uh, massive impacts in terms of uh, mitigating the strain on over flooding hospitals, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, the rise in digital accessibility, again, because of all the innovations taking place and because of this post and uh, during and post COVID area where things are, are slowly moving online, um, or rapidly moving online, uh, for that matter. Um, this is something that that I think is uh, is pretty important in the emerging markets. Okay, so how accessible are these types of technology in the emerging markets? Um, you know, do most users have the means to access them? Yeah, so I think this is where the picture potentially is not all rosy. Um, you know, you hear about millions of people coming online for the first time every week, every month. Um, but at the same time, I think I read a statistic somewhere today that said, you know, something like 40% of the world's population still don't have basic access to the internet. And out of this, uh, out of this group, I think something like one third uh, comes from South uh, South Asia, right? Um, and so when we think about digital accessibility in the emerging markets, um, I think there's three key pillars to consider. Uh, so number one, um, you know, three things that really unlock digital accessibility at a high level, right, for users. Number one um, is uh, is government infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is the the price of internet or data, right? And number three is the hardware device um, that users use to access the internet. And so I think, um, in particularly uh, relevant to Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia and markets in India, I think um, right now the uh, government infrastructure and price of internet and data are not so much roadblocks anymore, um, at least from a basic internet access standpoint. And it's really this hardware device, right, um, that sort of serves as the bottleneck. Um, so for example, right now, the cheapest smartphone in the market is about 40 to 50 US, US dollars. And actually, you have 70% of the population who are unable to even afford the cheapest smartphone for them to access the, the internet, right, which translates to you know, over 500 million users in a market like India who could be potential users, but just don't have the basic means of mm-hmm. connectivity. 
Um, so in that sense, I think that we still have a long way to go in terms of really uh, unlocking digital accessibility in, in Asia's uh, emerging markets. So how can we begin to address these roadblocks to digital access and what's the role of product marketing in all of this? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think um, when we think about digital access in 2020, um, I think the two biggest roadblocks as of right now for, for Asian markets is still number one, uh, the price, right? The price of the cheapest smartphone for them to access the internet, mm-hmm. uh, which roadblock past 70% of the users. And then after that, there's still various other reasons like, you know, people feeling uncomfortable with the navigation system or people um, not finding any use cases um, or don't think that the smartphones will offer value to their everyday lives. So talking about the, the first point, the biggest roadblock around price, I think that this will really depend on sort of um, the partnership between public and private sectors in, uh, in lowering the price of, um, you know, in either lowering the price of smartphones by coming up with innovations that's going to bring the price down or finding ways of unlocking affordability by, uh, for example, providing, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, funding programs for, for mm-hmm. users. A lot of users who come from villages, for example, who don't have a traditional type of background to secure bank funding, right? Helping these type of users um, secure the funding, the loan programs that's going to allow them to afford these products and, and go online. Um, so that's that's kind of it on the price end. I think um, it's quite macro in that sense, right? Um, having the government be involved, uh, potentially provide incentives or for major tech companies to come in and really, really innovate um, but besides this price point, um, there's other reasons, right, um, that really roadblock people for people who can afford a smartphone but just choose currently not to. And I think this is where um, a lot of individual efforts can be can come in handy, right, for companies looking to enter emerging markets, for them to really invest in, in user education, right. And this is one specific area where marketing has a lot of control, has, can have a lot of impact. So um, when we think about user education, uh, coming in and helping users understand, you know, why the a particular product or app is useful in their everyday lives, um, what the before and after state looks like, and um, and potentially um, mitigating or addressing user concerns even before they come up, right? Doing a lot of user research, really understanding the target audience, and then helping them uh, mitigate any concerns they might have. Um, another area where I think marketing can have a lot of impact is by sort of um, informing product and sales counterparts, right? So um, a lot of times when the product teams are developing a new product, um, there's a lot of complexity with um, and diversity in the user base. So for for marketing to potentially lead some of the, the research, the UI, UX research or thought leadership here to provide, um, you know, recommendations to the product team on developing, uh, developing a product that's really catered to the, to the target audience. And then in terms of, uh, you know, sales teams who go into emerging markets, trying to get mom and pop shops to come online and advertise for the first time. Um, you know, I know a lot of times, um, potentially, you know, um, there might not be a lot of discourse like that happens, right? But how can we help these teams better understand what are the main roadblocks uh, in these target users' minds and to actively address them um, through, you know, like an empathy-driven approach, right? So user education and informing cross-functional teams, I think, are, are areas where marketing can have a, uh, an outsized impact. Excellent. So um, what about you personally? Is there anything that you've done to address these issues that you'd be open to share with our listeners? Yeah, so uh, so personally, um, I think from a work angle, um, this area is something that's very important to my team. And we're sort of evaluating a lot of different options from you know product to partnerships, marketing, 
um, or rather a very important issue to Google overall, right? Uh, and we're evaluating things from products partnerships to marketing to understand what are some areas where we can drive impact. And um, where I can speak to most is the marketing side. And uh, sort of like I mentioned earlier, user education is one piece that we think uh, could be quite helpful and something that we can really lead and drive and, and own um, to, uh, to scale impact. And then besides, uh, besides work on a more personal level, um, I've also started getting involved in quite a few organizations. Um, so for example, uh, a volunteer organization. So for example, I currently sit on the board of, the, um, of an organization called Books of Joy. Um, it's, it's mostly catering to Nepal at the moment, but it's mm -hmm. also looking to expand into other markets in Asia Pacific. Um, and the mission is to really level the educational uh, playing field, right? Um, and it started out, as the name suggests, by providing books and revamping classrooms. But, you know, just given how much havoc, I know, COVID has wrecked on, on you know, the traditional brick and mortar classroom style and highlighted the importance of digital literacy, this is an area that we're exploring as well, right? Um, something as simple as, you know, providing two publicly used, um, two publicly used computers in a shared library and you know, providing it in structure, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal to, to us at all, could have a big impact in terms of you know, teaching hundreds of students the uh, digital literacy skills that might help them for, for years down the line, yeah. right? Um, and so I think um, the message here really is that you know, everything has to sort of start somewhere. And, and again, for, for you know, someone like me, um, where you know, providing two computers, um, raising enough money to you know, buy two computers, really doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But honestly, um, even something like that can drive massive impact and to continue going after these opportunities and to think, continuously think, you know, what are, what are, what are some other things I could continue doing to, um, to bring impact and to drive digital accessibility? I think that's the kind of mindset that's got really going to you know, um, help um, as well. Absolutely. So this is obviously something that you feel really passionate about. And it's absolutely a matter of equality. Um, so if any of our listeners are feeling inspired to help in any way, uh, where would you point them in the right direction? Uh, where can they go to, to, to uh, help? Yeah, I think, um, I think first and foremost is, um, is you know, just to read up on the matter, right? To gaining knowledge and, and by gaining knowledge and, and reading all these articles um, on what's going on, I think people um, would naturally develop more empathy for those who are struggling to gain access, right, to the internet, to digitalization. Um, and, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people in, you know, quote unquote, developed market take for granted. Um, but you will see, as you're reading through, especially during COVID sometimes, you know, you, you hear about families who have to, who had to go through extreme measures to, you know, um, help support their kids' education, right, as all the schools are closed and it's, it's moved online. Um, you know, people, you know, families, entire families selling, you know, farm animals or or price possessions in order to get their uh, their kid that first smartphone so that they can go online, right? So these sort of stories, I think, really, um, uh, you know, really speak to me, right? And this is something that that's helped me develop a lot of empathy um, for users in, in these markets. And some of the resources that I would recommend. Um, so I guess number one is. Uh, where you can generally start off is, um, is this, re is this uh, site called GSMA, um, and they provide all sorts of articles and news and resources on the state of digital development across the world, right? And there's other sort of tech-focused um, uh, journal journals and articles like TechCrunch or Tech in Asia that sometimes have articles on, on these sort of developments as well. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even just simple Google search can lead you to local news sources. So for example, um, when I'm working on a market like India, 
um, the Economic Times India is actually a, a, a news source that I find myself going to over and over again. Right. So, um, again, number one is just to read up on the matter and just to learn more about it. Um, I think the second thing in my mind is to um, think about you know, if this is an area that your company uh, is involved in, just to take a minute and kind of think about your company strategy. Right. Um, because, you know, on the one hand, it might be that your company um, is already doing everything you can to to sort of drive digital accessibility and, and help in this area. Um, but a lot of other times and in my work included as well, um, I feel like sometimes things do tend to run on auto, uh, autopilot. So maybe, you know, this is the way we've done things in the past. So we'll just continue doing this this way for, you know, without really thinking about it and really taking a moment to step back and think, hey, is this the really best way of reaching these users or helping these users? Um, I think could be very helpful, especially again, like I mentioned um, at the start of the, of the podcast, um, how quickly things change, right? In terms of landscape, in terms of consumer trends. Um, and I do find that sometimes uh, marketing messages uh, tend to be fact focused, right? Like, hey, you know, if you if you buy, you know, if you go on, if you use uh, online advertising, here's how, like, factually, it can help your business. But sometimes um, it might it might be more the emotionally driven factors that you'll never get to the bottom of unless you really take the time to deep dive and understand the local context and where users are coming from, right? Um, for example, it could be, um, you know, uh, personally, for example, when I was in Southeast Asia. Um, on, a, on, a, on a trip a couple months back or before COVID, um, I was talking to a couple of local small business owners, right? And, um, and all of them, a lot of them actually realized the importance of digitization, right? They actually wanted to go online, um, but part of the reason why they did it was because they felt, oh, you know, I've never done this in the past. I don't know where to get started. I feel like I'm too old to change. I don't want to feel like I'm giving up on what I did before, right? Yeah. So all these things are sort of more emotionally driven. And I think um, sort of catering your, your marketing me messages to the art audience in this way, sort of debunking their emotional, um, you know, their emotional roadblocks could be quite impactful in the, in the long term. Um, and then lastly, um, I think another way is like, you know, just through donations, right? And it doesn't have to be just monetary donations. It could also be donating your time or donating your influence, right? Reposting articles or, you know, spending, uh, signing up for volunteering programs. Um, so, you know, shameless plug, my, uh, my nonprofit books of joy is actually looking for uh, volunteers and donations. So if that's something you're interested in. Just feel free to go to you know, booksofjoy.org. Um, but there's also a lot of other organizations out there. So one that I've been looking at for India, another one I've been looking at for India is, uh, is Avastor. Um, so these are sort of NGOs that partner with tech companies to, um, you know, to kind of drive digital literacy um, and stuff like that. So again, I'm very pertinent to this discussion as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, and then I guess the last thing is just, I kind of want to, I want to highlight the fact that, you know, striving for digital equality is really an ongoing issue, right? And it'll take yeah. a lot of time, innovation, passion to address. So um, just, you know, keep your eyes peeled and feel free to um, you know, reach out to me if you have any questions about a topic. I'm happy to discuss at any time. Um, but yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of things individually we could be doing, um, but it really, it's, it's going to be a collective effort for us, for us to, uh, to tackle this issue uh, in the next, you know, five to 10 years. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Vincent. Um, we'll have a list of those resources on the blog um, that uh, listeners can access. And uh, again, I just want to thank you so much for your time. Um, and talking us through this topic that you're super passionate about. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to do some reading up after this. So thank you for inspiring me too.
Yeah, no, thank you so much for your, uh, for your kind words, Emma. And uh, I really appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have a great day. And again, thank you so much for joining us. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.